It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. And taking a look, like we said, just one week away from pitchers and catchers reporting for spring training, taking a look at MLB Pipeline, they released their top 100 prospect rankings grant. So last season in 2023, when it was released, number 17 was James Wood. Number 35 for the Nats was Robert Hassel III. Number 46, Elijah Green. And number 58, Cade Cavalli. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But this year, their release... Number seven, Dylan Cruz. Number 14, James Wood. Number 48, Brady House. Just your initial thoughts on where the three nationals rank in the top 100. I think it's reasonable. I think it's all fair and fine. I mean, look, James Wood is an unbelievable talent at 21 years old, left-handed bat, 6'6", 240. You and I have seen him in person now several times. 62nd overall pick in 21. He has a skill set at his size that doesn't really exist. He could play center field at a plus level. Uh, You're probably going to move him to a corner, so there's not as much wear and tear on him trying to go gap to gap. He's got as much power as anybody the Nationals have had over the last handful of years, certainly post Bryce Harper, I would say, in terms of raw pop. This is a 65 power guy for me. I think pipeline grades him at 60. Uh, He's a 60 runner. The question for me on James Wood when he was drafted, which is no longer a big question, is, is he going to hit? It looks like he can hit. Uh, He's graded above average, 55 by pipeline as a hitter. Now the only remaining thing he's got to figure out is lowering the strikeouts. As he climbed the minor league ladder last year, he struck out a lot. I think his K percentage was up around 40%, which is problematic. He's got to make more contact. I didn't think, I don't know what you thought, Toby. I didn't think it was like that he didn't have a plan at the plate or he's got some massive hole in his swing. He's going to have a hole. He's 6'6", I mean, he's got long levers. And you find me a guy that big who should be looking like he's an NBA swing uh, forward. I'm going to show you a guy who's probably going to be able to, you know, swing and miss from time to time. But I do think just generally uh, he's got a plan. He gets deep into counts. He's got a pretty good idea of what he wants to do. Uh, his approach is not an issue. So the strikeouts for me were a little bit surprising. I know a lot of people were alarmed. I wasn't necessarily, but I think that that's why you've seen 
not to say that his prospect status has dipped at all, but it, why he's not in that top seven, eight, nine, whatever is 40% strikeouts is a lot. And so the power was there. He, he delivered at each level. But I think if he could lower that into the high 20s, you're talking about superstar status, you know, MVP type blue chip level prospect him again. And maybe that was the one thing that was a knock, so to speak. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head there. He obviously had a plan going to the plate. Matter of fact, when we went and watched him multiple times, it was swing the bat, dude. Come on, swing the bat. Like he was very selective on the pitches that he swung at. And you almost wonder if that was to a detriment, right? If there is a little bit of a hole in the swing and he's only swinging at one or two pitches per at bat and they throw a good pitch at a two good two strike pitch and he swings and misses, then it's a strikeout. You almost wonder if they can change his approach just a little bit so he can be a little more aggressive when it's an 0-0 count or it's a 1-0 count, trying to drive the baseball and not look for the perfect pitch, but hit the good pitches. So I think for him, you know, the plate discipline is good. I think overall it's just finding a way to make contact with the pitches more. And, you know, I think this is something where coming over from San Diego, it seemed like they had fixed the hole in the swing. It showed up a little bit more here with the Nationals, and this has kind of been the knock with the Nats with the – player development so hopefully they can get that all figured out but I mean this is a guy that has shown sky high potential and it's still showing I mean he's a top 15 prospect in all of baseball and this is a guy that could be a perennial all-star this is a guy that maybe even is looking at top of the league type stuff and maybe competing for an MVP because he's got all of those sorts of tools not saying he's going to do that but you know it's just I think it's interesting Grant because last year we talked about this year you know, looking ahead and just the encouraging signs that we saw from the minor leagues. And when you take a step back from it, you look at some of the guys that were on the top 100 list that are no longer on the top 100 list this year. And then you even look at guys like James Wood. We were talking of a timeline of June, July of these guys getting to the bigs. I think that still can be somewhat realistic. But do you think with what happened towards the end of the year with James Wood, some of the struggles with Dylan Cruz as he went up a, a level, do you think that maybe we need to slow that timeline down a bit, or do you think that June, July, August is still a realistic time frame? Oh, I think that's very realistic. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he proved to me that double-A that he belonged last year. When you do that, we've seen Mike Rizzo call guys up routinely. Like, yes, he struck out a bunch. It's not like he hit 205, right? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, the guy was hitting 250, which doesn't sound like a whole lot to write home about, but in today's baseball where we don't really value batting average the same way. When you're a power hitter and you can play plus defense, if you're hitting 250, you can help me. It's not like he did that in 10 or 15 games. That was basically a 90-game sample size where he posted an 830 OPS. So I'm not saying that double-A and the big leagues are the same. Obviously not. The leap from the minors to the majors is you know, probably the biggest leap you can make in all of sports. But there is the axiom that I subscribe to, and it's pretty clear Mike Rizzo does as well over the years. If you could do it at double A, you could do it in the majors. It takes you know, consistency and, and just kind of learning how to be a big leaguer. But I think he, he's knocking on the door. You know, if he has a good spring, he could be up very early this season. There's no doubt in my mind uh, he's going to have to make the adjustments you referenced, and the team's going to have to make him do that to make contact. The other guy that I'm excited for is a little further along, in my opinion, is Brady House, or a little further away, I should say, is Brady House. He only played the 35 games in AA last year, but he hit 325 at AA after hitting 320 in A+. He hit about 300 in Fredericksburg. It's funny because it shouldn't work this way. His batting average got better at every level. It's like he hit 297 in A-ball, 317 in A+, 324 in AA. 
The reason I think he isn't viewed as a slightly better prospect, and to your credit, I think you've been on Brady all along here, he is not it for in-game power. So if you're just grading things out via box scores or just looking at numbers, you really don't have a feel for the true power that he has. To me, this is a 60 to 65 power bat. I, his batting practice at T-Mobile Park in Seattle before the Futures game was mesmerizing. I mean, nobody consistently hit the ball into the second deck more than House. The pop is very loud. It's very real. Hasn't really translated in game yet for whatever reason. Last year, he hit just the 12 homers in you know, about 348 bats. So you're talking about a, a 20-ish homer major league pace. But I think that, that that's the ding on him. If people are wondering, well, why isn't he a higher prospect? I think with Brady, your folks are waiting for some of that power. And there's been some health concerns. Uh, but he's just 20 years old. With Wood, it's the strikeouts. Yeah, I think for me, like with Brady House, if I had to pick a guy in the Nats system that I I don't know if I would say highest on, but that I just felt the the best about, it would be Brady House. I mean, this is a guy that basically when he's been healthy, he's hit. It's just been about maintaining health. And like you said, the power hasn't necessarily been there in games, but when you watch batting practice, when you read reports, you hear people talk about him. No one's worried about the power. It's going to come with time. And, you know, once he gets up to the big leagues, you talked about, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of a dip in power compared to what you're going to get in the big leagues just with the ball and pitchers being in the zone more. So I think when you look at what Brady House has been able to do in the minor leagues, it's just about finding a way for the Nationals to keep him healthy for the long haul. And if they can keep him healthy, I think this is a guy that can keep moving along. He's not necessarily been, you know, played as much just because of health concerns. He hasn't played as much as, as James Wood or doesn't have the type of experience of a Dylan Cruz. So I don't think that he's as far along, like you said, but this is a guy maybe you see in September or something like that, or he's someone that could be fighting for an opening day roster spot in 2025. But I think that you look at what Brady house has been able to do. You got to be pretty excited. And then, you know, the, the guy that's, we look at he's ranked in the top 10. He took a number two overall in Dylan Cruz. You know, we've t spent plenty of time talking about Dylan Cruz, but this is a guy I think maybe didn't have as good of numbers as you would have liked to have seen in his first year, but I'm not worried about that at all. This is a guy that has played so much baseball, and there's a reason he's ranked as high as he is because everyone expects him to come out of it and kind of figure these things out now that he's got a full offseason to get accustomed to these things. So I'm excited to see what he could do, and out of all these guys, like, you know, we can point at weaknesses for Wood. We can find some health concerns and some weaknesses for House. There's really not tons of weaknesses for Cruz, and that's why I think for out of these guys, you could end up seeing this guy the soonest, and it could be pretty quickly. Yeah, it's funny to say that, right? Because he only played in 35 games as a minor leaguer last year, but he's very polished. You're right. I mean, he played at LSU all the way through the College World Series. He didn't have a single game collegiately last year where he didn't get on base. You just don't find offensive profiles this advanced, really, at the college level. Ended up hitting about 290 with an 850 OPS as a minor leaguer for the Nats. But you mentioned he really did struggle in double A, which was, I guess, good to see in a way, oddly. I mean, he had just not failed, really, at all at any point. And it's good to deal with that in the minors so that you kind of know how to do it when you get into your first slump in the majors. Uh, he ended up having with sub-600 OPS and a 208 average in 20 games and 72 at-bats. Very small sample. You know, you, you, you're talking about a seventh or so uh, of a Major League Baseball season, basically. Maybe even an eighth, something like that. Uh, so he, he's, you know, a guy that very well could have gone eight for his next 15, and all of a sudden those numbers are good again. 
didn't get a chance to do that. But I don't think the Nats are worried about him at all. They were aggressive. They pushed him. It's funny, though, you know, the guy that was comp to him that the Nats chose him over, Wyatt Langford of the Rangers, obviously, went to double A, crushed it, went to triple A, crushed it, ended up, you know, basically knocking on the door of the big leagues at the end of the season. And, and he's become kind of the can't miss guy now all of a sudden out of the college class last year. So we'll see if Dylan Cruz can answer the bell, take that mantle back from him this season. But he will be in the big leagues absolutely this summer. James Wood will be in the major leagues unequivocally this summer. And I think we'll see Brady House this season as well. I'd be stunned if we didn't see all three of those guys at Nats Park this year. If they're healthy all season, I think it's a lock that all three will be in the majors. And they're not alone, by the way. Obviously, Cade Cavalli will be in the major leagues. I think there is a chance we could see Yoandi Morales get to the big league level this year. Um, if you look at on the pitching side, you know you saw Jackson Rutledge make his debut. He'll be there again. P.J. Hers will be in the major leagues this season. Uh, if Cole Henry's healthy, excuse me, he'll be in the major leagues this season. And then I would throw Trey Lipscomb into that conversation as well. Yeah. The infielders, 23 out of Tennessee, who had a big breakout year in the minors last year. Um, he also is going to be in the big league. So I don't know how many guys I just named, but it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun with promotions kind of one after another from probably May through August. Yeah, and some of the non-roster invites to spring training, obviously Cruz, Wood, and House, but Robert Hassel's in that mix, Trey Lipscomb, Darren Baker. So I think you could see all those guys. The one guy you mentioned that I'm surprised that he wasn't invited to spring training as a non-roster invite is Yo-Yo, and maybe he gets invited down the line here. But I, I think that you hit the nail on the head that there's a lot of guys that could end up coming up this year, and that's what's going to make this season exciting because you know you never know. If you, if you buy a ticket a week out to the ballpark, you might just expect to see CJ and Gore and all those guys, and it could be a Wood debut. It could be a Cruz debut, or it could be Lipscomb coming up, or it could be a handful of guys coming up. So I think this year is going to be an exciting time for this team. Real quickly, just two guys I wanted to mention. You mentioned Cavalli, but two other guys that were on the 2023 list inside the top 100 for the Nats that are not in the 2024 list, Robert Hassel III and Elijah Green. You think those guys can get things figured out? Obviously, two different players. Elijah Green, I think the ceiling is still ridiculously high, but he's got to figure out the strikeouts. And Hassel was seemed as this safe prospect, and he's also started to struggle with strikeouts. What is your confidence level that those guys can get back to being the prospects that they were once thought to be? I think Hassel has a better chance to because I think his ceiling was kind of viewed as lower anyway. Like, Robert Hassel, the book on him was, believe it or not, he was like, this is a pretty safe guy. This is 280, yeah. you know, 18 to 20 home runs, steal 20 bags, play good left field. That was kind of the profile. And I just think it's easier to get there from where he is than for Elijah Green to make good on being this generational talent who a lot of people feel like is an MVP candidate uh, at some point. And that was the, the book on him coming out of high school, you know, when he was drafted at the top of the board. I remember talking to a couple of high-ranking Nationals front office guys on opening day last year, okay? Opening day this past season at Nats Park. So we're talking about almost a year ago to the day. And I said, if Elijah Green or James Wood becomes like a multi-time MVP, which one? And they said Elijah Green. You know, at that time, like that's how much they liked Elijah Green. Now, 
it couldn't have gone worse for him last season. That goes without saying. I I'm, this is not to pat myself on the back. Like I was excited about the possibility and the upside when they drafted him because he had the maybe the biggest ceiling in his class a couple years ago. But this is not the type of player I would draft. It's just too much risk. I don't like guys that swing and miss in high school, and he did pretty often, by the way. Uh, now they play a great schedule at uh, the academy he was at in Florida, IMG, and they're playing like you know all the best players in the country. It's not a normal high school deal in any way, but it's it to me. I would miss out on the the best players sometimes. Like James Woods, a great example. I would have missed him too. He swung and missed in high school. There were questions about his bat. Now he made an adjustment with the Padres, and he became you know one of the great prospects in the game. Elijah Green to me, I, you know, it was just. It's too much swing and miss in high school, and I worry about making that leap. So am I shocked by last year? Yeah, I think I still am. If, if you would have told me before the season that he wouldn't have gotten out of Fredericksburg and he would hit 215 and he would strike out 150 times in 300 at-bats, like a 50% K rate, I just said, you got to be kidding me. But uh, here's the problem. You, you look this up, I think. You can expound upon this because I'm pretty sure I'm using your research here. There's not much precedent for guys who got off to this kind of start in a ball for the period, you know, as long as he was struggling last year and then turned into like great major league players. I mean, it, there's just not great examples of that. So I am worried about Elijah Green for sure. I think they would tell you it's very early. He's very young. And that's true. He just turned, I think, 20 years old in, in December. But hassled to me as a chance to be a fine third outfielder. You know, a good fourth outfielder, something in between the two, maybe. Elijah Green becoming a guy that looks like he was worthy of the number five pick who's hitting 30 homers and stealing 30 bags, I think is that we're such a long way from that. The only thing I do want to say really quick, and I'm talking too much, but he flies. He can run. Like yeah. when you go watch him, you saw him last year. His tools are crazy. He's a guy that if you're just watching a game, you don't have to know who got drafted where you're like, oh my God. Who is that? And you like pointed him. He's huge, 6'3", 225, NFL linebacker. He fly, he can run. He's you know blazingly fast. So like I get it. I get the whole point. It's a seventy runner with a sixty arm with sixty power who's six three two thirty. But man, oh man, did, did the part you know? It, if you can't hit in baseball, you can't help me that much. And and that's kind of where we are with Elijah Green. I like it when you have guys that you can simplify things to just, if they can fix one thing, then you feel like they can get things figured out. You know, I talked about with Brady House. It's mainly just been staying healthy for him. If he can stay healthy, then it seems like everything else will stay on track. Now, it's a big one for Elijah Green, but it seems like if he can figure out strikeouts, he's got everything else. Now, the power hasn't shown up like we talked about with uh, Brady House, but we've seen bits and pieces. Like, he hit a home run last year, I think it was, at at Fredericksburg, where he hit it out of the stadium in left field. I mean, this guy has ridiculous power. He's got crazy speed. Obviously, he can run all over the place, like you were talking about. So this guy has all the tools. It's just, I don't know that there's any way he's going to eliminate the strikeout. So there are definitely a lot of alarm bells going off with Elijah Green. But, you know, at this point, they made the draft selection. You've got to find a way to develop this guy. You've got to find a way to get that hole out of his swing. And maybe it's just finding better pitches to swing at, whatever the case may be. But his issue has been, too, that he's swinging and missing at pitches in the zone. So it hasn't even necessarily been what he's swinging at. He's just not been able to make contact. So hopefully they can figure that out. But he's still got a ridiculously high ceiling. And, you know, like you talked about with the guys over there at Nats Park, like 
I, I still think it's not crazy to think that he has the highest ceiling out of anybody in the entire organization. But is there any chance he's going to reach it? I don't know that there is if he's going to continue to swing like this. And then Robert Hassel, it's just been so funny because this was supposed to be the safe guy in the trade with the Padres, and he struggled. Now, I think that he can still get things figured out. I still think that he will find a way to get with the big league club, and maybe it is just a fourth outfielder. He never had the highest ceiling, but it seems like everybody was on this guy as a safe prospect, and it's just hard to think that everybody was wrong. It's just hard to think that evaluators in the game of baseball, people that cover the game of baseball, people that casually follow it, like everybody was like, all right, this is going to be a nice, solid outfielder that'll be up in the bigs in a couple of years for them, and it'll just be a solid player for them, and he hasn't been able to reach that. But I think that maybe it's just a bad season. You get things figured out. I'm hopeful for Robert Hassel, but I am pretty... Pretty nervous about Elijah Green.